the Mac Observer's Mac Geek Gab, number 19, for the week of October 10th, 2005. Greetings, folks, and welcome. I'm Dave Hamilton from the Mac Observer, and I am here with my voice semi-intact. With, yeah, what's oh man. with John Braun? Hey, man. Oh, yeah. So, for, for those of you that uh, that keep an eye out for this and are used to our regularly scheduled show on, uh, which is typically released late Sunday, early Monday, you'll find that this one is about 24 hours late, give or take. And it's because of me and my voice. Yes, folks, the cold that I had last week. Finally, I finally got better on like Thursday, Friday, and then had, uh, and then wound up uh, losing my voice this week. And I had two gigs and combined with the cold and all the rain we got here in New England. And I couldn't talk last night. And fr- frankly, I can't really talk today. I, I, I didn't talk at all, all day, which was very weird for those of you who, who know anything about me. So, wow. Well, you, did you talk to your? You didn't even talk to yourself. I didn't. I, I produced copious amounts of email and IM chatter for all those that uh, with whom I am involved here, both business wise and personally, to uh, to save myself for the show. So, so here we are, and uh, so this week we're talking about switchers. But uh, but why? But why well, would anybody want to switch away? Oh, that's it. Yeah, I'm switching to Windows. Did I tell you? <laughs> <laughs> but but first we we do want to uh talk uh again about our sponsor and our sponsor is Got Game Entertainment and they're promoting their their product called Rem 2 which is a new game and it it really is targeted you know we talked about it a little bit last week and we'll talk about it again here um it it's targeted at at uh at adventure game fans really you know if you liked Myst if you liked that sort of of game this is this is right up your alley um, you're, you're searching for a secret artifact in an underground cave city uh, called Rem or Rem Two, I guess. And uh, it, pure puzzle, all first first person adventure. You know, you get the whole 3D view thing going on. And uh, E for everyone. It rated E for everyone. That's right. Isn't it, uh, it available? So no uh, touching blood or anything. Man, it's going to make some people disappoint some people. But I say my voice is bad, and now John's cutting in and out. So it looks like we're going to have Skype fun this evening. So, um, but uh, yeah, the lines are wet. The lines are wet. John's back with us. That's good. Uh, with the game, it's you know, it's 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 in that same vein as Mist, and you, you travel through this world and and solve puzzles to get to your eventual goal and meet uh, strange little people along the way that give you hints and clues, or at least you think they're hints and clues. And uh, I believe it comes out on October fifteenth for uh, for twenty nine ninety five, if I'm not mistaken. And I'm looking Very at my note at my notes here, and I'm not mistaken. So yeah, that's later this week. So look for it uh, online at rem two dot com and in Mac retailers all across North America. So thank you for sponsoring the show again to Got Game Entertainment. So yes, it is time for switchers, right? We've had a lot of you write in, those of you who uh, either are listening to the show because you just switched from a Windows machine to the Mac or because you're thinking about it. We actually have quite a bit of Windows people listening to the show just trying to uh, get an- enough inf- mm. information in their head before they uh, – could it be a halo effect, do you think? Hmm. 
It could Orgy. just people like what's uh, what's out there now. It uh, plays nice on uh, mixed networks, so that's more the corporate side. Though that's a good good area, I think, to address. Absolutely, absolutely. Most of our uh, most of our listeners. Well, I don't know. No, I think yeah. we got some uh, business folks here. Heard from at least one IT director. Yeah, that's right. We've heard from quite a few people out there uh, over the course of our show here and and sort of built up a a list of switcher questions. I also want to start out because I'm going to wind up – well, we're both going to wind up referring to to lists that two of our our, – what I'm going to call them – and this is something that that I'm just creating on the fly here, John. These two guys are the geeks of the week. And uh, and we and geek we will, of the week, geek of the week alert. That's right. And we will reserve that uh, that that distinction for for someone who goes above and beyond the the call of duty. And I'll call it the call of duty. Not that any of you have a duty, other than to stay subscribed and tell everybody about the show. But the, Scott yes. Rempel and Michael Schof, and I hope I'm pronouncing that name right, both sent in great great lists and 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 direction that that really helped us to kind of you know shape the the show here too easy yes yeah awesome thank you to both of you it it was awesome so he's an alpha geek scott Scott gets the alpha geek designation man i hope we make it through this show your skype's cutting in and out again so oh no and and now you're back so i could keep talking i don't know i don't know whose voice will sound worse yours or mine so Mm. anyway um we're going to talk about a couple of things. The uh, the, the the first thing we're uh, we're going to go through here is uh, just a couple of of general concepts, and then we'll get into some some reader questions. So the first thing we want to talk about is installing and uninstalling applications because that's radically different on the Windows side and the Mac side. Uh, and I guess I should preface this by by saying that both John and I have quite a bit of experience when it comes to the Windows side of things. John. Has worked yeah. well. You tell yes. them what you've done on a daily basis. Well, on a daily basis, uh, I guess a uh, software engineer would describe what I do, and a lot of it is on Windows systems. So I there get to go. learn about the uh, cracks and crevices and the good and the bad. So it's uh, it's from from the voice of experience. Most of it's positive. Yeah. Um, and I, I've I've been a uh, in in many capacities a, a consultant. On the Windows side, in fact, bought my first house uh, with money made almost exclusively from from supporting Windows folks. I, I always had a Mac at home, of course, you know, because I didn't want to deal with that stuff when I was done uh, with my day. But uh, but yes, in fact, the uh, the the Windows thing is is something that that I've spent a lot of time with. Um, so anyway, with with un- with installing and uninstalling apps, the way what happens in Windows when you run an installer. Is it, it opens up something called the Windows Registry, which has no direct parallel on the Mac, but uh, it, it essentially is one big repository that Windows refers to where, where everything stores every, – all their uh, – well, not everything, but most programs store their settings um, in a common format. And, and your Windows Registry is your, your preference base. If you lose your Windows Registry – your, your Windows isn't going to start mm-hmm. up. None of your programs are going to work. So when you install a program – it goes and and does a couple of things. It it, it puts the, the the program files out there, usually in the program files directory or a subdirectory thereof, and then adds some hooks to the registry, and then also goes and tells Windows, okay, well, I have all these other libraries that you need to use when you run me, and so it registers those in its own way, and that's why it's very difficult to uninstall a Windows program without using the uninstaller program. 
most folks on the window side are very used to coming into it with uh, coming in, you know, very used to this uninstall thing, and you have to go through the uninstall routine. Well, on the Mac, it's it's a little bit different. Some programs certainly blast stuff all over the drive, but for the most part, all you do is copy a program from the installer CD into the applications folder and run it, and it deals with all of its stuff. And then when you want to uninstall it, you simply delete it. Now, it, you may also need to go into the preferences or the let's see, sorry, the uh, the home slash library slash preferences folder on your Mac and delete stuff there. Is that right, John? Yeah, and uh, um, I'm with you. Is that Usually, it should be in the the same place. Uh, yeah, and and so it's it's there's yeah, go on. no well there's a, I, I guess the the point to to make here is that there's no big to do about uninstalling things. The, the stuff that's lingering in your preferences folder, you don't really even need to worry about. And frankly, I always find that it, that the space that preference files take up typically is is nominal. And it's almost worth keeping out there in case you wind up installing the same program even six months down the road. A new version or, or something will go and grab the uh, the data and, and pull it in, and, and then you know you, you kept your preferences and you're good to go. Yeah. So I don't know if I feel about that. I actually, uh, I, in this case, if I had to rate the two, I'd actually, assuming it uses the operating system, uh, you know, add remove software, which is in pretty much all recent versions of Windows. If right. it does it properly. I prefer something that hooks into the OS where the Mac could tend to uh, – I, I like the, uh, you know, your point about the preferences, but I'm concerned that right. because unless it's all in the application, which most things are, they're all yes. in that file, then you have this, you know, kind of – well, who, who spring cleaning, I think, takes care yeah. of that, some other things, right? Yeah. Well, and the, the big problem is on the Windows side, uh, at least in my experience, add remove programs works probably 60 to 70% of the time. The, the rest of the time it, it fails or tells you it couldn't remove something and and even when it when it completes and tells you it's completed it doesn't mm -hmm. it hasn't done it all the other very cool thing that that you can't do on windows and you can do on the mac in all, in most cases is if you're moving from one mac to another you can just copy the stuff from your applications folder from one mac to another mac and it'll run try that on windows and it'll fail so that's mm. something else that you can you can uh, just yet another difference. So, uh, speaking of of all of that, we actually have an audio comment that makes sense to uh, to go through now, and it was one that, believe it or not, just came in today. So it's a good thing we waited. And uh, this is from Tomas about application organization. So we'll we'll sort of let this tangent fly right in here. So here you go. I think is he coming in? I don't know, Tomas. Hey. Hey. Hello, I'm Tomas from Poland, or from Switzerland, I should say, because that's where I live at the moment. First of all, thank you for a great podcast. I'm listening to you on a regular basis, and I find your podcast really helpful, informative, and, well, good job. Well, uh, thank you. I have a question which you or maybe some other listeners could answer. It's about organizing applications. I have more and more applications in my applications folder and recently I have started noticing that I'm getting a bit lost and uh, finding it more and more difficult to, to find an application in my applications folder, yeah? So especially when I forget what it's called. So what I'm looking for is some kind of a idea of how could I organize my applications into some, some folders or categories. So here's an example which may be uh, will help you to understand what what what's my, what's exactly the problem is. So, for example, I would like to see 
all my photography related applications or all my audio applications or all my games uh, well I don't play games but but anyway so you know what I mean uh, so I don't know if creating subfolders in the applications folder is the best idea once I've heard that it can confuse the system in some way and I can experience some some kind of problems but maybe there is some other solution something with aliases or something else uh, or maybe some great shareware which helps you with this kind of problem so I would be really uh, grateful if you could help me with this matter and best greetings to you all and, and to all other listeners have a good time bye bye all right well you want to uh, you want to start us off here John I have no idea <laughs> oh. <laughs> and yes John is at a loss for words no no oh no 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 I um <laughs> Actually, a thing off the top of my head that I would do, I, I, I like the folder idea. Now, here was a little tangent I went on just, just as I was experimenting. Um, well, labels. I like labels. labels. Okay. So here was one thing I was thinking was labeling the different groups, perhaps even giving them the appropriate name. Um, and then maybe not in the icon view, but maybe the one of the list views or something like that. But you could sort like that. I'm thinking that's one way with the built-in stuff that's not too much extra yeah. work though though the question about should things be in applications i'm leaning towards oh absolutely it's probably a good place to keep applications maybe you can drill down a level but then what well, i think you need, to, put, you need to be careful drilling down though it, it, yeah. you can create subfolders in the applications folder and and of course mm-hmm. there's two applications folders that every one of us has there's the system level so just slash applications on the root of the hard drive and mm-hmm. then there's the applications folder in your user folder in my experience, I've always preferred to just use the top-level applications folder for everything because it keeps life simpler, and, and even even Apple's migration assistant goes and grabs all the stuff there. However, subfolders are a beautiful thing, and in the OS 9 days, I had everything in subfolders. I had an internet subfolder. I had a you know, utility subfolder, and, which there is in OS 10, of course. But I didn't have a single application on the root of my applications folder level. I had everything in subfolders. And I tried that with OS ten. Did you try that with OS ten too, John? <clears throat> subfolders under applications? Yes. Yeah, I got a lot of things that are set up that way. So Well, you have to be careful though. You can do that with third party apps. But if you put uh-huh. Apple apps in any in a in anything but the root of the applications folder, they will not get updated when software updates come out. Oh, yes, I've never ever done that, so that's why I've never seen that happen. Right, <laughs> I think I just instinctually knew. Yeah, system stuff. It probably is where it's at for. I'm going to stop you, John, because your your Skype is cutting in and out, but. What what John's saying is is that he's never tried uh, to, and I'm sure you you could understand that. Uh, he's never tried to do it. I, I did, and found that you know I was all of a sudden three versions of Safari old, and why wasn't it updating? And it was because you know the OS thought, well, I looked for it in applications, it wasn't there, and so you must have uninstalled it, and so I'm not going to update it, or you know, or whatever yeah. program it was. So uh, that's uh, that's the uh, that's the trick with that. So that is a uh, that that it's definitely something to be aware of. You, you you definitely want to make sure all of the Apple and and any apps from Apple that you, that you're going to rely on Apple software update to to maintain for you. You definitely want to keep those in the root level of the applications folder. Yes, I know it's messy if you're used to digging in there, um, but uh, it, you know it, it's the way it's got to be. 
Uh, one other thing that I, I find is cool for launching apps is using Spotlight. And I think I've mentioned this before. I just hit command space bar, start typing the name of an app. It appears in Spotlight. I select it and it's launched and I don't have to, I don't even have to hit the mouse at all. So that's uh, just another quick little tip that uh, I think I've shared before. But if I haven't, well, there you go. Spotlight's wonderful. It, it can be. Yeah. Yeah. Now I got a tiny little thing here, actually, when okay. you are in the system preferences. I, I, I had the occasion to use Apple Help and... Uh, Found that if you control click on something in the other pane, yeah. it'll give you an option to remove it. <laughs> I didn't in know that Apple, was there. In, in the help uh, program? No, no, no. In, in the preferences. So oh, I in was using the help program yes. to do yes. something else because the help is kind of hit and miss sometimes. Yeah. But, anyways, go on. No, that's all right. Uh, let's see. Now, we have a couple of emails to go through, so we will. Uh, Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll hit the, one of them now. The master list here. Yeah, so Mark Hopking wrote in uh, a little ways back and asked us a couple of these things. Uh, and one of them was, you know, what are the performance differences between Windows-based machines and Macs? With Windows using far faster processors, etc., how can a Mac keep up? Well, hmm. obviously Apple is is moving to the Intel processor eventually, so that's going to be irrelevant. But it's it's almost irrelevant now. Um, you know, my, my feeling on it is, is processor speed has gotten to the point where for a lot of things, it, it really matters. It, it goes beyond the processor. How fast is the bus? How fast is your hard drive? How fast is mm -hmm. your network connection? Uh, you know, all those things add up. None of us can type faster than the computer can receive our data, right? You know, it, it, it only begins to matter when, when you're getting into, you know, high-end applications doing calculations and all that stuff. But my yeah, experience... some things could push it. Um, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. And you I know, would video say, chat, that, that sort yes. of thing starts to push it. And, that was specifically what I yeah. thought was video, either trying to play a full-screen video yeah. or a game or, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and, and, and there are those things that begin to push it. I, I, I'm, I'll let you chime in here, too, since I know you deal with, with PCs on a, on a very regular basis these days. But <sighs> my my yeah. experience is that, uh, you know, on, on the Mac, the, the, the even the single processor stuff, it, you know, the, the G5 stuff is runs everything that your typical user is going to need just fine. And the dual mm -hmm. stuff does it even that much better. So that's uh yeah the dual I mean the dual that I have I mean you know all the stuff yeah. the buses and all that are uh, pretty zippy yeah I just got a new drive for it, the serial ATA. I mean, everything zips along pretty good, and it was funny because you, you, you have a PC a, uh, on your on your desk at at, uh, at your your software development yeah, job, isn't that right? How fast pretty, is the PC? Uh, it's a Dell um, Precision M60, which was the highest end when I got it a couple of years back. Okay. Uh, how, how does know, it compare to your single processor Max? Uh, it's it's comparable. It's okay. got a you know a wide uh, aspect screen. It's a, sure. I think yeah two gigs, one gig of RAM. But Windows is a pig, and uh, unfortunately, the other thing we have is that the uh, the the evil forces of IT install yep. all this stuff like antivirus and all this stuff, and they want to try to run it you know when they want and stuff and. Uh, yeah, so there's a, all the stuff you got to have antivirus, the uh, you know certain things that monitor what you're doing and all that slow things down. But uh, still, I find it it fills up on the memory pretty quickly. Yeah, it's only a gig in there. It uh, it starts really blasting the hard drive sometimes. Yeah, my my, my experience, you know, and, and and I still do a little bit of consulting here and there 
for, for folks that are using Macs, you know, that, that are using Windows machines and then doing a comparable thing on a Mac or, or the same thing with a different client, I, I basically find that, you know, the machines basically work the same. You know, if you go out and you, you buy the latest and greatest uh, of, of either one, it, 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 they're both going to run really fast. And if you've got something that's about two years old, if you, let's say you've got a Windows machine that's, say, three years old, maybe four years old, and you're, you're looking to replace it, the Mac that you get today is almost certainly going to be faster than than that. You know, if you get a Mac Mini, those are still G4, at least as of right now. There's, of course, rumors. Well, there's this event happening later this week, and we have no idea what that's going to include. We know that there are, you know... I do. Rumor, you you know? <laughs> no. Oh, okay. No, um, I can't say. Okay, yeah. Sworn to secrecy. Know. They've got your they've got your uh, your left foot in, held in escrow. Something like that. Something like that. Uh, you, you know, you're, you're going to find. I guess I would say even 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 the Mac Mini would would probably be uh, at worst, you know, on on par with with an older Windows machine. So it, yeah, it's only a G4. It yeah. is only a G4. Yeah, it's the same thing I've gotten in the PowerBook that I use on a regular basis here, and it, it's not. Overly um, blinding with the speed, but but it does just fine and and probably on par with with at least at least uh, at least on par rather with a, with a Windows machine of a couple years old. So mm-hmm. uh, let, let's go into another topic here before we hit another email, John. Uh, the, a, mm. Yet another difference, at least by default now with uh, with Macs and PCs, is the number of buttons on your mouse. Macs still come with a one-button mouse. Of course, Apple released the Mighty Mouse not that long ago, and and that allows you to use more buttons. And there's always been third-party mice that allow you to Uh use more buttons. But if you're buying a Mac out of the box, you're going to get it with a single-button mouse. And Uh, I hate that. (laughs) What what about it do you hate, John? It's lame. Because ever since I started doing using Macs, which was late '80s Mac Two, or I'm sorry, or, or, or nine, early '90s, yeah, around then, yeah, right, yeah. Well, yeah, I, got, I got my first Mac in in '89, right, and I think you were using them before I was. Like, by, about I started a, by on the Mac year. Two, right, and right. I bought a CI. That was my first uh, mm-hmm. Mac. So that was. Yeah, late '80s, early '90s, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, early '90s. The thing I've always used. Pretty much on any machine I've ever had is the uh, well they called it the Turbo Mouse and it's also called the Expert Mouse but it's a trackball right and it has four buttons or even back then I think it had two buttons but but, but as far as a one button mouse when you're using you know a, a Mac a stock Mac with a one button mouse mm. what what do you find what, what do you find you have to do differently what you know moving from a Windows machine to a Mac with a one button oh, mouse hold down the control key pretty that's much. it man yeah. That's or end. a lot of programs. Well, I do believe the default behavior. If you if you hold down for a while, it will bring up a contextual menu. That's right. And OS ten does have all the same sorts of contextual menu, menus, rather that uh, that the Windows does. And uh, and John's right. If you if you're still using the one button mouse, and you know it's funny. I've I've got uh, you know in my office here on my PowerBook, I've got a a Logitech setup, a wireless multi button mouse with a scroll wheel. And I use it all day long. And then over at the house, I've got a new G5 iMac, and I have yet to replace the mouse on it. I've still got a single button mouse, you know, the, the, uh-huh. the white Apple mouse, and it works great. I, I just, uh, you know, I don't do enough on that machine for it to drive me crazy that I've only got the single button mouse because I, frankly, I've got probably four multiple button mice, you know, sitting in boxes mm-hmm. up in the uh, in storage here at the at the office, and I just haven't bothered to bring one yeah. over to the house. So. 
but the control yeah. key is your friend. And oh uh, yeah, and like the John work said, machine. Yeah, I actually have the uh, one button mouse. Now, the reason go. I like it at work is because people look at it and they're like, "Dude, that looks cool." <laughs> yeah, it does. You got to admit they're cool looking. Yeah, I mean, sure. LED kind of lights up the uh, the circuit board a little yep. bit. Or I'm sorry, at least on the. Uh, the first ones. The second one is actually, yeah, it's all white, so you really can't see what's going on inside, yeah. which is too bad. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you know, what can you do, right? <laughs> Wine. Uh, you, you know, is it, and so we we briefly talked about it. If you if you if you're on the dock and and you want to see the contextual menu for a, a, an item or, or even in the finder, you just hold the button down and it it pops something up. But but that, that brings up uh, an, another topic uh, and we'll just let these, let these roll together. And that's the dock. Uh, the dock is something radically different from, uh, from windows. Radical. It is radical. Uh, I think so. It's, I mean, it, it almost borrows from windows a little bit in, in that, you know, applications that you run now pop their themselves down in there. Of course, windows actually mm-hmm. pops windows down into the dock. Whereas the Mac shows you the, the whole application and not the windows, yeah. but, uh, uh, I'll let uh, I'm, I'll try and save my voice again, and I'll let you start talking about uh, how you use the dock and and what you like about it, and how Windows people might might see that. Um, actually, I I, I equate it to the uh, uh, what are we going to call it here? You know, the taskbar, the, the task, system, the, the trough, the, 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 the same trough. sort of thing. Is that yeah. uh, one option for Windows people? You can't click on the start button, but you can also with a lot of applications. I think almost any one is. Drag something down into the bar on the bottom. So, so I would see that as the rough equivalent. Um, the uh, yeah, I mean, I I pretty much put all my commonly used stuff there. I kind of group it by a category. And actually, oh, what a suggestion for our caller earlier! How to organize my application? Uh-huh. Well, here's another way to do it. There is, you go. See, the show is just full of surprises, <laughs> even for so, us. <laughs> yeah, wow, shocking, but. Yeah. Because I'm looking at what I do, and basically, so I start with the Finder on the left, and then the, the, you know, so some of it is default order, but then I'll group all my browsers together. So I have Safari, IE, Firefox, uh, a couple other things. Yeah. Then I have my email programs. Then yeah. I have other types of programs. Then I have my instant messaging, and it kind of makes sense to me. Yeah. All the uh, iLife stuff. So I've seen it. it. It doesn't make sense to me, but uh, as long as it makes sense to you. Yeah, well, I think some people could group things. <laughs> right, and, absolutely. And you see it absolutely. when you see it visually. You know what the application is. At right. least I do. I know it's notes because I see the notes. I and the, the difference, files. the difference is, of course, that the Mac Doc allows you to keep things there persistently, whether or not they're running. You can you can put applications in the dock and keep them there, and uh, and that's. Uh, it's a, it's a beautiful thing. I'll, I'll apologize for all of the sibilance pops coming from me tonight. I've got my mic set up a little bit differently, so I don't have to project mm. as much. But that means it's right in front of me, and so mm. you know. So I apologize for popping your 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 car speakers as much as as much as I might have this evening. As long as you're sorry. Well, yeah, you know. But uh, hopefully, we've got some we've got some cool equipment coming in from. Uh, from Behringer this week, actually. So, that, so maybe next week's show we'll have uh, different microphones to experiment with. Yeah, I got some cool equipment. You did. Yeah, why don't, we'll go off on a little tangent here. Why don't you tell them? Now, yeah. I, I, I should stop everyone and, and say that when we started this show, John was using a headset mic, which he still is. And uh, and this is a totally non-switcher tangent, but that's okay. You, you folks are always asking about our setup here, so I'm happy to, to sort of dive into that briefly. John was using a headset mic, and, and you all may have heard 
echo that was happening. And, and the, the echo, not from John, but from me or of my voice, what was happening is my voice was coming out of John's headphone speaker, which was attached to his headset mic, and going right back into the microphone. Well, with Skype, of course, there's a delay because of the turnaround. You know, my signal needs to go to John, and then John's signal comes back to me. So you were hearing me being echoed via John's little speaker. Well, we solved that by getting John a great little set of headphones, and I'll let John tell you about mm -hmm. uh, about those headphones. Uh, these are the Eddie Motic research. There's a line over the O, but these are uh, Eddie Motic ER6 isolator earphones. Um, and yes, awesome, they really do awesome isolate. earphones. Uh, Dave, I guess, has used them. They come. Uh, you can get them with a mu musician's ear plug, which I guess is when you attach it to a special mold of your ear, so musicians don't go deaf. Well, it seems like we're having loads and loads of technical difficulties, not just with my throat, but with uh, with everything that we could have. So somebody broke the internet. I think someone broke the internet. Great. Anyway, uh, John was was talking about his ER6s as you as you just heard, of course, um, and. Uh, and, and they do. They, they're totally isolating, and of course, there's no echo. So at least we solved that problem. They're very nice. Uh, very nice. Uh, let's see. Let's let's move on here to yet another uh, yet another thing. It, it's, it's important to talk about an important difference between Macs and PCs. Matthew Stalin wrote in uh, about uh, a couple of things with, that, with being a switcher, and his email is sort of disjointed. But I'm going to do my best uh, at, at at relaying it to you here. Uh, Matthew writes, I, I currently own a PC, a Pentium 4. Uh, basically, it's starting to age. I think I want to cross over to buy a Mac, and I thought I would ask you guys instead of asking the salesman because I think you guys would be more honest since I don't know much about Macs. Wow. Well, there you go. Hey, you know, that's actually really smart, right? I mean, this, you know, this whole podcast thing is, a, is most definitely a communication, not just between John and I, but between all of us. So it's, it's awesome. Uh, I want to buy a Mac because I'm sick and tired of reformatting due to viruses and crashes, Matthew writes, but I'm scared. I've been looking at the PowerBook G4 with the 17-inch screen. What I want to know is how different are they from PCs uh, besides the fact that they use OS X Tiger. I know my PC back to front, but I don't know the first thing about Macs. Well, I find it hard learning the ins and outs. Is it really worth it? My main use is listening and organizing my music collection, 20 gigabytes worth, playing, driving sims such as Juiced, driving simulators, I should say, just as Juiced, and need for speed underground, surfing the net, etc. Do Macs have many problems with crashing and viruses? Any help would be greatly appreciated. Well, uh, as I've said before on the show, and I'll say it again, I don't run any virus protection software on my Mac. And I know, I know John and I differ here. John errs on the side of, of caution, and there's nothing wrong with that. But, uh, uh, not anymore. No, you don't. <laughs> hey, look at that. Good well, for ever you. since Virex started uh, ah. going bananas after the latest OS upgrade, yeah. that kind of annoyed me. So. Yeah. And .Mac doesn't didn't have the newer version, so I'm like, okay, whatever. Because mm -hmm. yeah, I've never really gotten one. Well, they're, only when I go looking for them. Well, right. to see if the virus program is Just, working. That's right. <laughs> and really, even then, all, uh, my guess is what you're looking for is Microsoft Word related viruses, right? I mean, is that the, no, whatever's out there? Yeah, I, I don't believe that there are any OS 10 actual OS no. 10 software yeah. viruses. It's you know stuff that affects Word and. Word's pretty good at keeping those things at bay anyway, so... Yeah, it lets you know if there's macros and stuff, which... Yeah. Uh, and I haven't found any spyware. I know I know there are folks out there that some of the security companies that... Uh, and I'm not going to name them because, I, I, frankly, I think they're just out there looking for press. And I, 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 I just... 
it appalls me that 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 it seems like someone is out there doing that. But but it seems that that's what it seems like. There, there's some there's there's one security company in particular, but but they're not the only ones. Um, that just go out there looking for press and saying, well, we've, we've got a proof of concept in the laboratory and technically it's possible that this sort of virus could potentially exist on the Mac. It's like, yeah. okay, has it been seen in the wild? Have you even heard of anyone other than you creating it? No. Okay, look, you know, the last thing, we got enough problems Are you in the world. Yes, I'm ranting. And this is the it's last like, thing I should be doing with my throat, right? But uh, you know, we've got enough problems in the world. W- why are these people out there scaring the living daylights out of uh, unsuspecting Mac users just so that they'll go buy their product because frankly, the the worst thing about antivirus software and if you're on the Windows side, you have to run it and you have to run anti-spyware software. And neither of which are necessary on the Mac at least currently, and we can all hope and and pray that that will never change. But the worst part about it is that antivirus software is built to get in your way. That's what it does. That's what you want it mm. to do, right? You want it to get in your way so that it it checks every single thing you open. Everything. Can you imagine how much slower your Mac would be if every single time it went to open something, it had a little program running in between that said, ooh, 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 let me scurry through and check this for a virus. Oh, no, it's okay. Let Dave open it. That's what happens on Windows machines, and you have no choice. If you don't do it, you will get infected. There's just there's hmm. no way around it. So That's why my Windows machine is probably so slow. Yeah, because it's freaking out. It runs out any virus when, when I don't uh, ask it to because they want total control. It has to, yeah. Well, and I don't blame <laughs> them, right? I mean, you're working at a, at a company that if they wound up getting a virus on the network, it would screw oh, I've, them. Oh, I've from- seen it. Happen. Oh yeah, like many companies. Yeah, some, it, right. some yo-yo brings yeah. in something from home usually, right? Circumventing the virus protection they have at the enterprise right. level, right? Oh, look at this cute little thing I got from home. Boom. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Boom. Yeah, right. <laughs> Suddenly, four days of IT are down the toilet. Oh, at one point we had you would plug in a machine and it would immediately. Well, first you installed antivirus from a. Floppy, but it was an older, or I'm sorry, from CD, it was an older version. Yeah. And it would come up and, like, after, you know, a few seconds, it would say, hey, you got this virus. Yeah. But that's why you were downloading the update, and then you would get rid of it. But that's why we didn't have the absolute latest. Crazy. It's crazy. Crazy, man. So, yeah, you don't have that on the Mac. No. No. So, uh, I I am going to jump around here, but uh, thank you for listening to my Be careful. Don't hurt yourself. Oh, well. Okay. You said you were going to jump. I know. Yeah, I know. Hopefully oh, on the uh, roll my the talking ankle points here, yeah. podcast thing. So anyway, uh, let's see. Jo- Joe Howarth writes in with something that I'm going to tie into an audio question that answers a question I had, or John and I had. It kind of does. But it kind of does, yeah. So I got it, something to say. But okay. Let, All right. Let them go first. So uh, I'm going to read Joe's question. We can talk about that, and then we'll and then we'll fire in the thing, and then we can talk about that too. And then we got to get out of here. It's getting late. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Joe Howarth writes in and he says, for an external hard drive, should I get FireWire or USB? For moving large files, is there really a ton of difference in transfer rates? Will a USB 2 external hard drive work just as well as a FireWire external hard drive? Uh, and, and then he asks, sort of as an aside, is he correct in assuming that the industry is moving away from FireWire, even Apple doesn't support FireWire connectivity on the new iPod Nano? Well, uh, 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 my feeling is if you're going to buy a new drive, get one that supports both, really. It, you know, m- most of the drives out there have dual interfaces, but if you're only going to get one interface, 
and you're doing it for the reasons that Joe you know, mentions here, transferring files, general storage, that sort of thing, I'd go USB 2. That's, that's what my gut says. I've found it to be fine. Even though technically it's faster than FireWire on paper, I think in reality it actually turns out to be a little bit slower, and I'm not really sure why that is, but it seems to be a fairly general uh, uh, general consensus on that. But even still, it, you know, it, it works with all the newer Macs, and it'll work with Windows machines if you wind up moving to that that side or or moving back and forth or whatever. So, John, your, your thoughts? Yeah, my thought, and actually, I've run into this. It was with a, a coworker who was trying to switch some stuff over, and uh, and he had an external drive, uh, USB two. It looked, yeah, because it had a light. It would light up different colors depending on if you were a USB one or two. And I worked on his PC, plugged it on the Mac, and the light would flicker, like it didn't have it didn't have enough power. And huh. um, yeah, it was some off brand. So I think uh, maybe so. This was a, a powered, uh, a bus powered USB drive, right? Yeah, not, and not we, a even okay. Even when we got external power, yeah, it still didn't see it. So there were probably two combined issues there. Because well, I plugged it into my desktop and it worked fine. So ah, well, my my advice would be if you if you're getting it for home use, don't get one of the bus powered ones. Go ahead and get one of the self powered drives because you're gonna get a you're gonna be able to get a a, a full height drive that's gonna be faster and and uh, and all that good stuff. And and that actually does bring us to our audio question or our audio information okay. yeah from from flint and and last week john and i well flint flint actually explains it all so i'll let uh i'll let i'll let flint take it away i think flint press the button oh this button hey guys this is flint calling from minnesota i'm actually calling again because my first message got cut off i hmm. have an answer and a question for you my answer huh? is regarding the firewire power that you guys were mentioning on the last show um, to my knowledge, I believe the FireWire port supplies up to about 1 amp, which is 1,000 milliamps, at 5 volts only. And the uh, desktop drives, the 3.5-inch drives, yep. do require a 12-volt line in order to power their motor. So you were right on that. FireWire in and of itself cannot power a desktop-sized hard drive. It would only power a laptop hard drive, and the largest of those today, I believe, is 100 gigabytes. So that's your answer on that one. And my question Thank is... You. Thank you. Thank you. I have been looking for an application for my iBook that I have not been able to find anything that will do what I'd like. What I'm looking for is an application that will allow me to take my DV camcorder and simply play the video that is contained on it full screen, no capture, no edit, just simply play it. For example, if I'm on vacation with my family and I've taken some video footage and we get back to the hotel and we'd all like to view it on the iBook, there is no application I have found or no method to do this short of importing the entire tape into iMovie and then simply hitting the play full screen button. If there is such an app for the Mac that will allow me to simply play the video full screen without no hassles, if you would happen to know of anything, I'd be glad to hear about it. Thanks, and have a great show. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks, Flint. Uh, and, and so about his FireWire thing, it, you know, very, very helpful to, to have that clarified. I, I did yeah, actually... I'm still unclear on that, though. I found oh, some pretty different clear. information. Yeah, but I'm finding some uh, resources here that are saying... Uh, one thing I found, which I think is a guideline, is that it was saying that the 45-watt thing is because, of course, you have power as current times voltage, right. is that I think they were saying the most that you could do potentially is 1.5 amps, 30 volts, and then you have differing implementations. So there, there doesn't okay. seem to be a fixed 
And of course, when you combine the two, the point he brought up is valid, though, is that, yeah, if you get past the point where the firewire port can supply, I'm looking at some tech notes here. And they- there, there are no, I, I did some research in, in, I, there, there are no full size bus powered firewire drives. The only bus powered firewire drives out there are mm-hmm. the, uh, are the are the little laptop size ones, but but I did get an answer for for Flint's pass through thing, and and it, it it might hit us in the right direction of getting him exactly what he wants. I couldn't find anything that would do it full screen, but believe it or not, iChat will do what he wants. If you open up iChat and you set your your input to your DV camera, and then mm-hmm. you start playing from your DV camera, and you click on the little video icon. Up next to uh, to your name at the top of your buddy list, there mm-hmm. it'll play the it'll it'll show your your video. Now normally it would be the the image of you on the camera, but if you've gone into the preferences and changed the input to your DV camera and you're playing from there, then mm-hmm. your DV camera's video footage will show right up on your screen. Can't get it to full screen that way though, uh, but I'm mm-hmm. thinking maybe some webcam software or, or something like that out there might. Uh, might get him all the way there, but that'll at least get you get you close enough to where you're uh, you're not trying to look at that little two inch window on your on your mm. TV camera. So, and I, I think with clever. that, I, yeah, well, I try to be clever. You know, there's a fine line between stupid and clever. Uh, <laughs> I thought that was genius and madness. Well, it's something like that. It depends on whether you're listening to Derek St. Hubbins or not. Um, <laughs> All right. Well, it is it is time for us to uh, to to, to Oop, start heading that's out the of here. Goodbye music. That is the goodbye music. So but before we, we go, we have a couple things. Next week, we are taking a trip to the terminal. John and I will uh, answer your terminal S- questions. Scary, scary. Ooh, scary. Count Floyd, right? <laughs> that's good, man. We're getting a lot of references scary. in here. Yep. Yeah, uh, we have more Gmail invites than uh, you can shake a stick at. So, uh, and we got wa- a big stick. And yeah, if you want to, if you want them, let it, set, you, you let them know. You let us know, we'll we'll get them to you. Uh, for audio <laughs> comments, we have so many options. You can't even shake a stick at those. Uh, let's see. You can send audio comments. Of course, you can record them on your Mac and send them to macgeekgab at macobserver.com. And you can send your your uh, email comments to us there too. You can call area code 206-666-GEEK, and that's 4335, and you can hear me shredding my throat. So anyone that tries to call me Tuesday Ow. morning, yeah, that's it. So Don't call. Don't, don't bother. I ain't answering. Uh, and now, yes, we went out, we splurged. Uh, uh-huh. We took some of our sponsorship money, yep, and, and we splurged. Uh, we got Skype voicemail, and the Skype address is MacGeekGab, so... All of you that have been moaning and saying, oh, I can't call the number, and and, and, and for good reason. No. You know, some of you are overseas or whatever. But now, talking about splurging? Yeah. Now, you, you made sure that the, the one I ordered got black leather seats, right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. Never mind. We got to talk about that offline, John. <laughs> Uh, I would like to thank again thank our sponsor Got Game Entertainment visit them at uh, rem2.com and uh, I'm not going to ask them to vote this time they, they know what to do so that's, do the right uh, thing yeah do the right thing so that's that's pretty much it right we're, uh, that's it we're out of here so thanks for bearing with me uh, on the voice and the technical problems and the mumbo jumbo and oh man yeah, try I'm, some more milk or I'm something. done no, I'm, I'm, hit, I'm hit, having a shot of Bailey's and I'm going to bed <laughs> 